Now, The Whole Home Show with Tony Joe on CFAX 1070. Hi, I'm Tony Joe. I have helped people here in the Capital Region buy and sell real estate since 1991. And over the past 25 plus years, I've got to say there has never been two situations that have been the same. Real estate is such an interesting um, uh, industry. Uh, everyone has their own specific needs and requirements. And of course, it seems to be the talk of conversation out there uh, all the time right now, while they're talking about things like vacant property, taxation, uh, foreign investor tax, um, mortgage rule changes. There's always something happening out there. Uh, today, we've got a great show. We are talking about properties as investment. And I have three guests in studio today. We have Nancy Payne, who's the principal of Space Host Vacation Rental uh, Agent. We have Dennis Fimright, who is a, a commercial uh, leasing uh, agent and also property manager. Dennis also happens to be past president of the Victoria Real Estate Board, as I was as well. Uh, and finally, we have here Kyle Kerr, who is a licensed agent with Remax Camosun here in Victoria. Uh, Kyle is also the president-elect of the Victoria Real Estate Board. He'll be the president next year. Uh, and I'm proud to say he's also part of my team. So uh, great to have all three of you guys here. Uh, I want to start, uh, just of all, first of all, by um, mentioning an email that we had come in uh, this week, and it was from a listener named Diane, and I just want to read to you what she said. She said, I was involved in a six-offer competing offer situation last week. Why didn't the seller counter my offer. So, you know, this is something that we're seeing a lot of nowadays. We're in a hot real estate market. Uh, we're not quite hot like Vancouver and Toronto. Uh, multiple offers are common right now. We ourselves had two just in the past couple of days. Uh, this is something that um, uh, is a big question. Now, one of the things is, unfortunately, with multiple offers, as an example, the one that uh, we just did, one of them we did last week, had 10 offers on a condo by the <coughs> university. Uh, and the unfortunate situation is that always means there's going to be nine unhappy people. So there was one uh, successful uh, offer there. The property did sell significantly above asking price. This is an unfortunate situation for anyone who is buying because of course it means that um, the price the prices were the price was strong obviously. Um, it means that people need to be amply prepared. They need to have their mortgages in place. They need to take a lot of risks actually. You know people are uh, not getting building inspections in advance. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago, actually, when we had building inspectors on air here. Uh, it's a risky situation, and I guess the question is, why are people making or, or bidding on properties? You know, you never thought about this uh, three or four years ago. Um, it is really a situation of supply and demand. We have very little supply right now. We have a lot of demand. Um, this has brought pressures into the Capital Regional District here as far as affordability is concerned. And I think we're going to talk about that in a uh, upcoming show as well, too. So getting back to Diane's question about why the seller didn't counter. Well, there are specific rules of engagement that are involved with multiple offer situations. Uh, first of all, uh, even with this property I was talking about, uh, this condo uh, by the university, uh, we had someone who tried to do a bully offer. So, you know, we were looking at offers on, uh, I think it was Tuesday, Tuesday night. Uh, we had somebody who came in and wanted to pay the list price on Sunday uh, this is what we call a bully offer. Uh, they, they were hoping to bypass everyone uh, out of the gate there. Now, when you think about this, the idea of delayed offers and multiple offers is a benefit to the seller. 
Right? This is a marketplace where the sell it's a seller's market, so the seller will benefit from multiple offers. Obviously, at the end of the day, it was beneficial for them because they ended up selling for $35,000 more than that bully offer on Sunday. Now, it would be great if that if we were representing the buyer and the buyer got that property, but at the end of the day, uh, it is a self-correcting marketplace right now where properties are selling for, um, you know, again, we had this conversation weeks ago about property values. What is the value of a property? It is what a buyer is willing to pay and a seller is willing to take. Right now, when we have multiple offers, they're selling uh, quite a bit over list price. That is the true definition of market value. So. Let me just wrap up by talking about why the seller didn't counter Diane's offer. Uh, it's because in a multiple offer situation, you said you had six offers. Uh, it is the seller's uh, uh, privilege to decide if they want to uh, just simply take offers that come in or if they want to counter one offer. You know, the trick here, of course, is they were to counter a couple of offers, they run the, the, the situation of potentially selling to a couple of different buyers. And that is the number one no-no in real estate. So I guess what I'm getting to is if you are in a competing offer situation, you've got to really put your best foot forward. And what we tell our clients is, what is the price? What is the point at which you would be happy to walk away? What is the point at which you would not have regret where you won't come afterwards and say, you know what, it sold for $1,000 more, I would have paid that extra $1,000. You gotta draw that line in the sand and decide that you won't go any further. So uh, that answers your question, Diane. The, 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 the basic answer is the seller's not obligated to counter yours or any other offer. They can do what they want. I'm sure they just simply went with the cleanest offer and that means unconditional. Uh, strong deposit in hand, uh, all of the buyer's um, uh, conditions met before the offer was uh, even met, so uh, was even uh, uh, written. So hopefully that helps you, uh, Diane. But uh, again, as always, if you have any questions about real estate, uh, here's where you should be asking. Uh, we're here at cfax1070.com. Uh, send your message or email through the station. They'll get to me. Happy to answer your question next week. So I'm here again with Nancy Payne, principal of Space Host, Dennis Fimright, uh, who is a commercial uh, property and leasing manager, and Kyle Kerr, a licensed realtor and uh, president-elect of the Real Estate Board. So guys, uh, starting with Dennis, what have you bumped into recently? What, what sorts of things have you seen in the world of commercial real estate? Well, I think it's been an interesting uh, couple of years, and generally both in office leasing and in retail leasing and in industrial, we're seeing the market pick up a little bit. So there's less vacancy now than there was a year ago in all three sectors. We're seeing some new stuff being built. There's developments like uh, the Eagle Creek one in, in uh, View Royal and, and Uptown expanding that is drawing some of the focus away from downtown and providing other options. The development in the West Shore, of course. Uh, so it, it's been an exciting time, but uh, generally it's been positive. We're seeing uh, cap rates continue to be low, capitalization rates. Uh, Actually, let's, let's touch on that really quickly here. We'll get deeper into it when we're one-on-one -on -one here, but listeners need to know what a cap rate is. Sure. So a cap rate is essentially uh, the return on the money that you're going to spend on a property. So if a property has a $100,000 net income to the investor and you pay a million dollars for it, that would be a 10% cap rate. Right. And let's just You're make getting this clear. 10% back yeah. on the money that you invest. Yeah, and that's simple math, but let's just make this clear. Finding 10% is not possible. No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're seeing cap rates certainly uh, less than 6% uh, for, for most properties and even lower than that for quality properties. Got it. Okay. Uh, Kyle, what's going on? Uh, yeah. Hi. Thanks, Tony. 
Um, as you kind of touched on earlier, uh, in the residential side of things, we are still seeing a lot of competition, and a lot of that is tied still to the low inventory uh, that we went through last year, and that has continued on uh, into 2017. Uh, the demand has stayed strong. Uh, we're still seeing buyers coming here from out of town. Uh, a lot of that coming, uh, we're seeing from Alberta this year. Uh, still some people coming over from Vancouver, but as, as their market kind of is in adjustment right now, uh, not as many Vancouver people as we saw last year, uh, but again, strong local market as well you know that is still where a majority of the buyers do come from in victoria we, we were going to talk about that because you know there's this perception from the community that the reason that property values have been driven up recently is because of all these people coming in <laughs> from out of victoria Yes, and, and, we, and we do hear that uh, both at a local level, you know, on the street and as well at the, at the real estate board. Uh, you know, our most recent numbers that came out from the province uh, was just before Christmas and our foreign buyers were about 5.5%. Mm. So when you really think about 5.5% of your segment of the market, is that really enough to drive up those prices? Uh, a lot of that is domestic investors and that's kind of why we're here today. Yeah, we'll talk about that. All right, Nancy. Nancy, again, is the principal of Space Host and she takes care of vacation rentals. Okay, so I manage a number of uh, Airbnbs or vacation rentals in town on behalf of owners, and we're seeing really great, strong tourist numbers in town, and uh, in the past 10 years, a reduction in the number of available hotel rooms in town. So uh, that combined with the really strong American dollar, we're seeing lots of American tourists coming and looking for nightly stays. And a vacation rental, such as the ones that, that I manage, uh, most of them are in transient zoned areas in downtown. Um, yeah, so correctly zoned for this usage. They are. They are. There are several buildings in town that are great investment properties for having the transient zoning. Um, and they're especially, I think, uh, worthwhile properties to look at right now because we're expecting that the city of Victoria will come down with some regulation around uh, those properties that are renting as short-term but do not have the appropriate zoning. Uh, so that coupled with uh, as well aging baby boomers that find it expensive to go down to the states uh, and who might like to get a foothold into this market, we're seeing some out-of-towners, um, mostly Canadians, uh, that are wanting to buy a place and keep it furnished for their own personal use. Um, and then rent it to make some money when they're not wow. here. There's so much to talk about. I'm so glad you're here. So we're here again talking about properties for investment. I'm Tony Joe. Uh, we're just going to take a quick break. We'll be back in just a moment. I'm Tony Joe, and we're here talking real estate. My question is, why do people own properties aside from their own houses? And, of course, this is one of those marketplaces where people want to be. We talked about this uh, a couple of weeks ago about retirees. They all they all seem to want to come to Victoria. Uh, it is something uh, that people like myself who are born and raised here often take for granted. Uh, I, I just know Victoria is home, but you know a lot of other people have decided to make this. They choose to make Victoria their home. Right now I have uh, with us uh, in the studio Kyle Kerr. Kyle is a licensed realtor with Remax Camosun here in Victoria. Uh, he's been licensed for several years. He he has been an elected director of the real estate board now for this is his third term, uh, and he is also the president elect of the Victoria Real Estate Board. He'll be the president in 2018. Uh, I'm very happy about that. I was the president in 2008, so you, you come 10 years after me. Uh, thanks for coming, Kyle. Yeah, thank you. Okay, we've got a lot to talk about now. Uh, we're here talking about investment properties. Why is it that the numbers are where they're where they're at right now? Obviously, Victoria is very expensive. We get a lot of um, uh, people basically saying that Victoria is too expensive right now. Affordability is an issue. Uh, what is happening? 
Well, I think why more people are looking into the investment sector, it is low supply. And we've talked about that earlier at the start of the show, but also in the rental market as well as a lot of people, you know, have we've seen in the papers and on the news, uh, vacancy rates are around about 0.5%. Well, when we look at that, we got to look at the population growth of Victoria. Uh, recent census numbers came out and I think Victoria's population grew about 29,000 people in the last five years. Mm-hmm. So, so we're think, at 365,000 right now. Exactly. And so do you think in the last five years, have we built 29,000 housing units uh, to satisfy that demand so mm-hmm. so we are seeing rent start to increase uh, because we have a demand of people moving here uh, from outside the city uh, and so that is pushing pressures up uh, with pricing just because there is more demand than the supply we have available so you know what we often talk about is Victoria unlike for instance Calgary or Edmonton in in, in prairie growth cities when they have more population all they got to do is open up the city limits Exactly. Right? And, of course, they can build more properties. Obviously, that can't happen here. We're geographically bound. We're surrounded by water on three sides. We have the Malahat on the fourth side. Um, this really is an issue. Of course, yeah. That's one thing I, I always do when I sit down with people who are moving here from out of town and we do our initial kind of buyer intro and talk about the market here in Victoria. Is I, I just bust out the map of Victoria. And when we talk about the core the core neighborhoods of Victoria, which are the most popular, if you're coming here, generally you want to be close to a lot of amenities. It's one of the most walkable cities in Canada. So people want to be in those areas. But when you explain to them, here's the land that it's available, uh, you know, everything is pretty much built out. We are waiting on, you know, the timing of rezonings and more supply to be added, which of course takes takes time and so when the market picks up as it has in the last year and a half uh, it's hard to fulfill that demand quickly so we have these legs where supply is very low and uh, we're kind of playing catch up. Yeah and and again I mean we're not necessarily just talking about people who want to buy real estate because the 29,000 people that came into the region were not all necessarily real estate buyers like there's going to be a lot of people who just either can't afford it or not ready to buy quite yet, and they are tenants, right? Exactly, yeah. And so that's where we're starting to see more local people wanting to buy investment properties because they see this demand on the rental side as well. Uh, And with rents starting to increase as they have in the last 18 months, uh, it makes those uh, local investments a lot more attractive. Uh, You know, you can fulfill it with high-quality tenants as well because, like you said, you have people coming here for their careers, but they don't want to invest in or buy their own real estate right away. So they are looking for good-quality rentals that they can move into for a while. Yeah, and and you know, I just I want to quickly touch on so good quality rentals definitely important, but on the other end of the spectrum as well too. There's a lot of complaints about the fact that there's no affordable housing here. There's a lot of people who've been priced out of housing. They've uh, had the benefit of uh, limited uh, rental increases over the course of the past you know 10, 15 years, and all of a sudden now their landlord has decided that they want to sell, so they're out of a home. They got no place to go. It's kind of a bit of a mess right now. Yeah, it can be challenging, especially yet, like you said, for those people that have been in properties for a long term. And this is where a lot of people are having to make adjustments into what their ideal property is. And and it comes down to there might be some sacrifices that have to be made. Maybe it's moving a little bit further outside of town, the West Shore, uh, some of the you know surrounding municipalities where you know transit and a little bit more driving comes into play. But there are some more affordable options out there. But uh, you might not be able to you know find lower lower rents in those uh, higher sought after neighborhoods. Yeah, I'm here with Kyle Kerr. He's a realtor with Remax Camos and uh, here in Victoria, and the incoming president of the Real Estate Board. Now, I, I we didn't talk about this before, but I I, I, I will say right now, you're going to get criticism as the president of the Real Estate Board. I know Dennis knows he's in the room here right now as well because there's always the talk about oh the real estate industry is pricing us out. You know, it's it's uh, socially irresponsible behavior uh, or whatever. Uh, so here's a question that I didn't prep you on: What is the solution for housing affordability? I think it was one word answer would be supply. 
you know, and that's obviously what we try to do at the real estate board is we're, we're, we're out working with the local municipalities. We're in touch with them. Uh, you know, our executive officer sits on uh, the CRD's housing affordability uh, committee right now. So we're passionate about housing affordability as well. If you talk to most realtors out there, uh, they see the struggles that their clients have. You know, we work with people so closely and we become friends with them. They, you know, become a part of our life and, and we want to see those people be able to succeed as well. So I think it's, there's multi different facets that we have to look at, but adding supply um, in different price points uh, so that people can find housing options will create some better affordability. If certain people can move up in the market, then vacating some of those properties where uh, the rental options are a little bit more affordable. Yeah. So it's a housing continuum. Exactly. So people moving from uh, upwards from one to the next. So because all of the new housing developments that we're seeing right now, even the rental ones, I mean, they're not inexpensive. You know, you're, you're paying uh, a good market rent, but the idea, of course, is that it opens up uh, housing further down down the continuum. Right? Exactly. Yes. As people move up in the market, like I said, it vacates some of those other those other spaces. Um, you know, and the and the government, you know, has been, has been investing money into this as well. We've you know we've seen the last years. I think almost close to a billion dollars being invested. But that will take time for those properties to be built uh, and to help out with those people who need it the most. And so again, you know, people often say real estate the the real estate industry are the villains for for this this property crisis. I mean, let's face it. We all serve two clients. One is the seller who's doing very well right now because the property values are very high. But we also take care of buyers, and that is the um, the hard part because it's finding inventory for them, and it's also helping them try to to win in these competitive offer situations. Like Diane, who emailed me uh, earlier this week, right? Yeah. So so switching gears a little bit, let's talk about investment because you've been spending a lot of time looking at things like transient zoning uh, and investors for people who want to invest here. Yes, exactly. And, uh, you know, I spoke I spoke uh, last week to the Appraisal Institute uh, about short-term rentals and the Airbnb phenomenon in Victoria and, and how those values play in. And, you know, I'm working with everyone that's looking at transit zoning from full-time investors, uh, people who are looking to buy these things and, and strictly run them as vacation rentals, to young couples who maybe already own a property, but they're looking at that, that little side investment. And I always tell people when they're looking at buying a transit zone property and they want to run an Airbnb type type uh, management that it is like a part-time job there's a lot of work there and I know Nancy will talk about that a little bit later but um, so it's not just full-time investors people looking to capitalize at maximum returns it is um, like I said younger people who want to make a little bit of side income maybe have a vacation property that their family and friends can use as well if they've moved here from say Ontario Alberta mm. Saskatchewan. And for, for many it's a long-term game as well too because they want to hold it for a long time. Exactly. Yes. I've worked with, you know, a lot of young people who they buy their first condo and I generally tell them buy something that's rentable because this is how you start to build your real estate portfolio. You move into that, you know, one bedroom condo, you, you know, save enough equity, you move up and you buy a home, but you turn that condo into a rental. And I've told some of my younger clients, I said, how great would it be, you know, once you have kids and, you know, 18, 19 years from now, you can, you know, give them that asset for something when they go to college and things like that. So it is that long-term planning mm -hmm. and thinking to the future, because that's where you do realize your best gains. Yeah, and we're not necessarily just talking here, even though we're talking about transient zoning, we're not necessarily talking about overnight rentals or whatever. I mean, people can look at monthly rentals, oh. you know, just traditional rentals, furnished rentals, right? Definitely, yes. And and for some people, those types of rentals do make more sense. As I said, with the with the short-term rentals, there's a lot more work that goes into play uh, and a lot more of an investment when you're talking about buying furniture and all the uh, accessories and stuff that you do need. So sometimes a long-term where you can sign people into one, two, three-year leases uh, makes more sense for them. Yeah. So I know as a fact, you've been seeing more interest from investors 
to purchase these properties. Definitely, definitely. When you when you see the demand, uh, the shortage of supply, and just looking at Victoria geographically and the demands and and the people moving here for the the, lo- the diversified local economy we have, mm-hmm. uh, I think we'll see, still continue to see strong interest in this sector. And the other part of this too, we talked about this four weeks ago uh, when we talked with a mortgage broker. One of the things right now is that since property values have increased as they have, one of the things people can do is they can leverage the equity in their home and actually purchase this investment property. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. If you've if you've been smart and saved up lots of equity in your home, then you can you know speak to your local mortgage broker and look at those options of using your initial investment to create more. Awesome. So Kyle, Kyle Kerr from Remax Most and Kyle, if people need to reach you, how do they get in touch with you? Uh, easiest way, my direct phone number is two five zero eight one eight. 5595. You can call or text me there. And you can also reach me via email, kyle at tonyjoe.ca. Okay. And and again, Kyle is part of my team, but I have to tell listeners here, even if you weren't, I'd still have you here because you are an amazing real estate professional. Thank you, Tony. So anyways, we're going to take a quick little break and back on the air in just a moment. I'm Tony Joe, and we're here on CFAX 1070's Real Estate Show, answering your questions about all things real estate here in Victoria. Are you interested in becoming a landlord? Aside from your own investments, we're here to talk about investment properties. And right now we have with us Dennis Fimright. Dennis is a commercial uh, leasing and sales consultant um, for commercial properties here in Greater Victoria. Uh, Dennis also happened to be the president of the Real Estate Board in, what year was it? 2011. 2011. Thank you. Uh, Dennis, thanks for coming. Thank you for, for having me. Great. So um, we're, we just talked to Kyle Kerr, who's the incoming president of the Real Estate Board. We're talking about uh, Victoria, the demand of properties here. Um, you handle a lot of commercial sales. Who is buying commercial properties right now? What is the interest? Victoria is a bit of a unique uh, community because if you look across Canada and in the larger centres, Edmonton, Calgary, even Vancouver, there's institutional investors that own a lot of the commercial real estate, the office buildings, the strip malls. And although the larger malls uh, here are owned by by national companies and, and pension funds, a lot of the smaller commercial real estate in Victoria is owned by locals because they understand the market. They've made money over the over the years in commercial real estate. So the the capitalization rate or the return isn't something that looks attractive to people that from um, the outside from the outside that don't understand Victoria. Yeah, uh, you know, I'm guessing you get a higher cap rate in Saskatoon or uh, you know other areas. But the question is, why would you want to own? Yeah, well, you you may want to own there because it's a good solid commercial property and it will give you ten percent. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but those same investors, when they look at Victoria, they make typically more money on the appreciation of the property than they do on the or on the return on their investment. So you have to kind of factor both those things in when you look at commercial property. Yeah, this is a really this is a really important uh, factor because uh, I mean we've reviewed this before in past too. So even though the cap rate, the annual cap rate might not the return might not be as high, the possibility of appreciation over time is much higher in key areas like Vancouver, for instance. Uh, Toronto here in Victoria, right? Yeah, absolutely. Or the or the uh, maybe the property has a reasonable return now, but has a, a developable potential in the future, uh, so that there's there's some investment uh, potential there for a return uh, to sell the property as an investment type property. Yeah. Well, this kind of dovetails in with what we were just talking about with Kyle, and that is with more demand on our infrastructure here, with more people coming, 29,000 people coming to Greater Victoria, they're going to need more, not only re- not only properties, they're going to need more services, they're going to need more retail, more offices. 
Uh, and I, I think that is that long-term potential, right? Yeah, absolutely. And for the first time in the last few years here, we've seen purpose-built apartment buildings being built. You know, downtown, the stuff at Hudson, the, the building, it's a few years old now at, uh, at Tillicum and, uh, and Burnside. There's a new one just being completed now in Sanishton that's 44 units that are all rental buildings being built uh, by generally local people that uh, now see the benefit instead of developing condos and selling them. Yeah. Uh, the economics make sense to build an apartment building. Well, yeah, and, and another aspect of this too is I think it's something like it, it, there was no purpose-built rental properties for about 20 years in Greater Victoria here. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think it was even longer than that. It was probably close to 30 years. That, uh, yeah. So, you know, a, a question that comes up every once in a while, I'm not sure, I'm sure you can answer this, but uh, a question comes up, why, why haven't more developers or builders built investment properties up until now? Uh, built rental properties yes. uh, because generally the return on their money has been higher building condos where they sell them off and, and get the money out. I, th I think now there's some advantage for the family to hold on to that property, uh, to hold on to that income. Uh, and there's more demand, I, I think, even for rental properties. Kyle was talking about the different people that are, that are coming in. Well, you know, twice in my office in the last two weeks, I've talked to older couples that because of the hot real estate market have sold their house for for uh, a very sizable profit and put money in the bank and and they've said you know we want to travel for the next few years we want to we want to sell we want to rent something so that we don't have a problem for our for our estate uh and we want to enjoy the money that we've uh, made over real estate mm -hmm. so, so, so th that's a trend i'm seeing out there as well yeah and, and this this is a story about what's happening in an upward move market and it's the other half of the conversation about people uh, being unhappy about affordability. I mean obviously these are folks that that are enjoying the fruits of their investment, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you know, maybe they've got a big house and they don't have the kids around anymore and and uh, don't want to look after the yard work, want more free time, so they've, uh, they're taking advantage of that. And sometimes that means selling their fancy house and, and buying a, a more modest condo mm -hmm. and still having money in the bank. Exactly. So we're here with Dennis Fimmerite. Dennis is a commercial uh, leasing and sales uh, expert here in Victoria. Actually, I, I'm going I'm to sidetrack just for a brief moment because you you just you mentioned an excellent story about an older retired couple and their equity, right? <laughs> I, I, I was engaged in a Twitter uh, conversation uh, about a week and a half ago with people who were talking about affordability. And if you can believe it, one of them suggested that uh, capital gains on principal residences should start to be tax taxed. Like the U.S. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so what would happen in that case with your clients there? They wouldn't have the equity to yeah. be able to, to move forward, right? Yeah, it would be a huge tax bill. And, and, you know, that does affect commercial property. There's a lot of commercial property that is tied up because it's appreciated so much in value that the owners can't afford to sell it because of the big tax hit that they have. So I know quite a number of years ago, the real estate board was looking at, uh, at lobbying uh, nationwide to try and get to some of that. Uh, For deferred, uh, yeah. Yeah. for uh, tax deferral. Um, okay, so now talking about commercial properties, because we're here today talking about uh, having a property in your investment portfolio. What's a great reason to have a commercial investment property? Generally, commercial properties, uh, if, if they're uh, well-tenanted and, and well-run, are less problematic than some residential tenancies. Um, most commercial leases go for a minimum of three years. Generally, it's a five-year term that you have your tenants in there. So there's less up and down. Uh, there's more stability to them. Um, and generally, I think 
if you look at the long term, the returns are probably a little bit better on commercial property than they are on individual residential property. Mm -hmm. The flip side is generally you need more money to get into a commercial property as an investment. Yeah, because you're definitely not talking uh, a traditional residential mortgage financing, for instance. No, yeah. No, it's, it's more difficult to finance a commercial property and the rates are generally higher as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so looking around the commercial spots in Victoria, I mean, one of the things that, that, that we see, I've asked you this before as well, we seem to see a fair amount of vacant uh, uh, store frontages, for instance, downtown, like down Government Street or, or whatnot. What, what is that telling us? I think Victoria has changed a lot over the last little bit. And, you know, I talked earlier about the new development uh, uptown and, and West Shore and, and View Royal, the, the new uh, regional centers that are kind of opening up. So downtown struggled for a bit, and I, I think all of the residential uh, component and development that's happening downtown is a boon. I think there's probably a lot more restaurants and, and service-type things downtown. People are coming downtown less to shop, but there there are more people downtown, yeah. uh, especially in the evenings now. So, yeah, actually, so there, it's changing. There was a figure out there not too long ago because there was something like, well, it's changed now, but when I read it, it was 2,500 new residents in the downtown area of Victoria. You know, it's pretty easy to see with all the high-rises uh, that are up there. And mm-hmm. it reminds us about the fact that people aren't just living there. They also need the amenities, right? Yeah. You know, because, yeah. hey, there wasn't a grocery store in town yeah. up until, you know, just years ago, right? Uh, so they definitely need more amenities, coffee shops, restaurants, things like that. Yeah, and on the fringe of downtown as well, you're seeing uh, rezonings and and higher density in a lot of different sites that uh, that uh, probably wouldn't have had that 10 years ago. So. Yeah, well, okay, so, I mean, you brought up Eagle View, like the, uh, uh, the mall that's there right now? Yeah. Yeah, I lived around the corner there 11 years ago, and when I had to go somewhere for a liter of milk, I had to go far, and that was li- that's literally in the backyard right now. Mm-hmm. Would have been convenient had I stayed there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But we never imagined that that would exist there. And uh, again, for somebody like me who was born and raised here, uh, my my oldest brother's in Ottawa, and he comes back home every couple of years. And every time he comes, it's like, oh my goodness, look at what's happened here to Little Victoria. But it's inevitable, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, what What do you see? What's your future um, uh, vision for commercial real estate in Victoria? I think it's it's uh, much of the same. I, I think it'll be dominated by local people, local investors that uh, that know and understand the market. Uh, I think there's more so in Victoria because of the lack of land that you talked about earlier. Uh, there's the ability to buy an investment property, and uh, before too long, it may not be the highest and best use, and it will be developed. So mm-hmm. even if you're not a developer yourself, there's uh, there's an upside to, to to sell that property at some point. In the yeah, and, and again, it's, it's a good time because you're taking advantage of leveraging the equity that perhaps you've built in your principal residence that you can apply towards an investment property. Absolutely. Yeah. Great. Here with Dennis Fimright. Dennis, people need to reach you. How do they do that? Uh, my company is Firm Management. So the number there is 250-544-2300. Uh, and either myself or Peter Tanner uh, deal with commercial properties there. Great. Thanks for coming, Dennis. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be back in just a moment. Hi, I'm Tony Joe. Your home is your most valuable asset, but how about adding real estate to your investment portfolio? Today, we have experts to help you decide whether or not this is an option. And one of the things we've been seeing a lot more of recently is the growth of short-term rentals here in town. Uh, you know, one of the brands that we hear about a lot, of course, is Airbnb. It's been in the news a fair amount recently. There have been other metropolitan areas who have tried to put control 
holes on short-term rentals uh, because of the fact that um, there's concerns about the effect on short-term rentals relative to the rental market and the housing market in general. Um, we're here right now with Nancy Payne. Nancy is the principal of Space, ha- Space Host Vacation uh, Rentals. Uh, Nancy, thanks for coming. Thanks for having me. Great. So uh, actually, really quickly, the word a- Airbnb. So is, tell us about that. That's, that's a brand, right? Right, it is, and and it's just taken a huge chunk of the market share in a in an existing marketplace. There have been companies like Airbnb for a long time, but the Airbnb really um, has shaken up the market because they have a really great platform, and it um, became popular really really quickly. But other companies like VRBO uh, or even people just advertising their places on used Victoria or Craigslist, furnished rentals have been around for a long time. Uh, Airbnb just came out and uh, had, a, had a great affordable um, o- online forum to, for people to advertise their properties and it's taken a huge market share compared to those other. Yeah, so, so basically it's a brand kind of like is. Xerox yes. or Kleenex or Q-tip or whatever. That's right, right? but people use it interchangeably as though that's, that's the, you know, it, it's a verb, like I Airbnb'd my property. <laughs> exactly. All right, so let's, let's talk about this. Let's dig a little deeper for those maybe who don't know about uh, this type of uh, um, uh, rental opportunity, this type of business. Tell us about what it looks like. And the reason being is you are an owner. This is how your business began, right? That's right. So, so I had heard about Airbnb shortly uh, before purchasing a property that had a little carriage house on it, a converted garage that had been um, renovated by some previous owners. And when we first looked at the property, we thought, well, this is a great little spot. The The owner that we bought from had been using it as an office space. Um, it wasn't an ideal long-term rental uh, property because it's very small little studio. It didn't have a washing machine and dryer. Um, doesn't have an oven. It has a little toaster oven, but it has a full kitchen otherwise. A little half mini bar fridge, that kind of thing. So we thought, you know, this isn't great for a long term, but um, and we'd also like to be able to use it for when our family comes at Christmas and that kind of thing. Yeah, so you don't um, want somebody in there for 20, 12 months out of the year, right? Exactly, yeah. yeah. So so we thought, well, why don't we throw this up onto Airbnb uh, and see what happens. And we had our first guests come in three years ago, and we haven't really looked back. We've had hundreds of people stay there, and it's been a great experience for us. And it's so cool to be able to monetize your house. Yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting because I, I just we visited with a client on Saturday, Uh, last Saturday, and uh, they have a basement in their house. And it was never their intention, actually, to rent it or or anything, but they, they mentioned that they would never use the basement. And, right. and they were in to them, it felt kind of like wasted space. Like they don't have kids yet. They want to have kids at some point. They want to keep that area for expansion. Uh, and then they were talking about this whole, well, why don't we put it out for occasional use then? And this is where you come in, right? That's right. And I have a client actually that uh, had hired Space Host when they were away in the summertime. Uh, they'd been doing Airbnb themselves on their basement suite. Again, a really small little place. Tough to put a student in there even because it's, it's just tiny and it's in their home, but they're in a great location in James Bay and um, so we started managing it for them and then they enjoyed not having to be talking to the guests and dealing with the ongoing communications and bookings and stuff like that so we've continued to uh, manage it for them even though they're upstairs most of the time yeah, and well, f- for them like th- that's how they were able to afford to buy that property uh, is or certainly to pay their mortgage is that they've they've been able to make money uh, and better comparative to 
renting it long term. Yeah, it's, it's definitely a very different proposition than what was kind of common years ago about people doing some uh, uh, bed and breakfast. Right. Right. Uh, because again, it's a question of interaction. You know, yes. maybe you 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 own the house, you live upstairs. You don't necessarily want the interaction. Sometimes, I guess, the guest doesn't want that too, right? That's true. And you know, it's funny because Airbnb is also a really really controversial thing right now. And and bed and breakfasts were in Victoria at one time too. And what changed that was the Commonwealth Games uh, coming in, and some people lobbied to allow bed and breakfasts and allow that zoning um, in traditionally residential areas. And they had to do it from because of demand. And we're seeing that in Victoria as well now, that there is uh, not, not enough uh, hotel inventory. And what is out there in peak season is really expensive and it's prohibitive for um, young families to come. And, you know, so Airbnb has filled a void in that marketplace. Because it might make the difference between a family coming and not coming to Victoria. Yes, 100%. Right, so if if the cost of hotels or other accommodation is too high in Victoria, they'll just decide to stay home and go elsewhere, right? Right, and I, I know for myself, I have two young kids, and the idea of staying in a hotel room that's two beds right beside each other, nobody's getting a good sleep, nobody ate a good breakfast, we have to go out for three restaurant meals, it's never ideal, and, and it's not exactly uh, you know a relaxing vacation, but to be able to stay somewhere where we can prepare food and... Um, everyone can have their own room. That that makes a big difference. So, you know, one of the things that you touched on just now is having suites that aren't necessarily, like accommodation that aren't necessarily suitable for full-time rental. And the reason why I bring this up is because, uh, again, there's been a lot of backlash about uh, um, short-term rentals taking away rental housing in Victoria and I guess where I'm getting from you right now is that's not necessarily true because these are spots that wouldn't necessarily be on the open market for uh, traditional rent anyways, right? That, that's true. And, and in fact, I'm happy to say that the majority of my, my clients are people who uh, didn't take stock out of, out of uh, long-term rental and put it with me. Um, in fact, my first clients, for example, had a place that was sitting idle. They, they've been living overseas for two years, but they didn't want to give up their investment or move all of their things. And they also like to come back to stay from time to time. So they were letting their friends crash there every once in a while and coming back for a couple of weeks at a time in the summer. Mm. Uh, and we were able to make use of that space and, and help them with the carrying costs of holding on to that property, paying the strata fees. Um, <coughs> it is a spot that's in uh, transient zoned building. And so they're, they're yeah, the permitted to, to rent nightly and it's been great for them. They, they did really, really well last year, last year and uh, we've continued to rent it. Good stuff, good stuff. Uh, so I'm here with Nancy Payne. She's the principal of Space Host. Uh, getting back to that whole uh, discussion of, about rental there, um, you know, this is such an interesting aspect to be able to rent your property out. Uh, for those of us who, who travel a fair amount and have used Uber, for instance, I mean, the technology is, is just amazing and the, the ability to rate, to rate your guests, for the guest to rate uh, the host. Um, uh, again, uh, let's talk a little bit more about that for those who have never thought about this type of usage before. Yes. Well, I have a great example with a client of mine that uh, that had heard, ab heard about our company and uh, they'd to typically go to California for a few months in the winter time, and this year they're going with seventy cents to the dollar in the yeah. states, and yeah. and uh, they heard about me and and contacted me, and they have a beautiful home in Oak Bay, 
And a lot of people at first say, how would you want to rent out your home? And what about your artwork and your beautiful things in the home? You would want to have strangers staying there. That seems crazy. And they've had such an amazing experience. In fact, uh, the majority of the people who have rented their home, they've been gone from November and they get back next month. Uh, The couples who have rented their home are pretty much exactly like them. They're Mm -hmm. coming from other parts of Canada, escaping the cold. Um, We've had longer term bookings, so, you know, two weeks to a month, and they've made way better, uh, a way better return than um, they had considered renting it to a neighbor's uh, family member for for a lesser amount than than the market value that they can get for the nightly so, rentals. So without this, what was what would have been the other option for them when they were gone for this amount of time? Their place would have been sitting empty, and they would have had to pay someone or or ask a huge favor of a family member to be checking on their house every few days. And then there's the issue of insurance. That's right. Because yes. the property will be vacant, right? Mm-hmm. So you know they've they've been away. Their house has been looked after, and between guests, their home gets a deep cleaning by my staff and. Uh, so their home is really taken care of in a, oh, in a nice way. Yeah. Okay. So we were at a uh, appraisal institute uh, event the other night, the, th- the three of us, you and Kyle and myself, and, and it was a conversation about this type of um, um, uh, rental uh, usage. And you brought that up mm-hmm. because the question is the difference between a long-term traditional rent and short term like this. Yes, and people always think, oh, someone's going to have a huge party or they've heard the horror stories and those are really few and far between. I've heard far more horror stories from people who have long term renters uh, and from, Trouble, um, from like, trying to get them out. That's right. Yeah, they uh, really hold all the, uh, the rights. And yeah. so short term is nice because even if you had uh, a guest who was not following your house rules, usually they're gone in a couple of days and you deal with it and you can you can also claw back a damage deposit from a bad guest. Um, but really, I rarely even have people who don't wash their coffee cups like people are really respectful. Mm-hmm. They they see that Airbnb is a lot more personal, so it's different than staying in a Best Western and having um, an anonymous person yeah. clean your room. You know, they they feel responsible to leave the the home nicely because it's almost like they're renting from a friend. Interesting. Well, I I, I just I just want to clarify here too because you're talking a story about a house in Oak Bay, mm-hmm. and uh, of course the important thing here is this is legal usage. This is not like an Ill- illegal use of the property, right? Well, they don't have the zoning to allow for 30 days or less. The, t- the typical zoning in those residential areas uh-huh. is, is meant that you have uh, 30 days or more as a, as a rental. Interestingly, most of the people who have stayed, as I mentioned, have been longer term. Okay. Um, but there is no body right now that's regulating that, and I imagine it probably will come into play. Um, however, uh, some other municipalities that have brought in regulation have still allowed it. Um, if it's your personal home, your, your primary residence, in which case these they would fall under that umbrella, and they it may be a permissible use for, you know, a certain number of nights per year. Let's say yeah, this is an ongoing conversation. It is yes, and and it's something that the city of Victoria is talking about a lot. Yeah. So let's talk about Space Host. So um, tell us about exactly what you do and how you help your clients. Okay, so so I take the pain out of having to manage guests 24-7. I deal with all of the inquiries from guests, uh, any ongoing communications that arise with with bookings, um, take care of the calendar and all of the logistics that uh, surround uh, having people. Oftentimes in the busy summer months, for example, you're having... Uh, people check out at 10 or 11 in the morning and a new group coming at 3 or 4 in the afternoon. And so 
I have uh, staff that that clean and turn over the the suites and uh, and and you encourage the owners to actually keep their own Airbnb profiles so that they can get their ratings and everything, right? That's right. So it's a really great piece of business actually to have. You know, we build these great reviews and the um, profile on Airbnb on the on the web uh, is personalized to the person who actually owns the suite, and although the we're transparent about how uh, Spacehost is acting as an agent on behalf of them. That's awesome. Okay, Nancy, so if people need to get in touch with you, how do they do that? So you can look at our website, spacehost.ca, or reach me directly at nancy at spacehost.ca. Great. And our other guest today, Dennis Fimwright, uh, commercial property leasing and um, uh, property manager. How do people get in touch with you again? Uh, Dennis Fimwright at Firm Management, uh, telephone number... 250-544-2300 or dennis at firmmanagement.com. And finally, Kyle Kerr from Remax Mosin. How do people get in touch with you? Uh, you can reach me direct at uh, 250-818-5595 or kyle at tonyjoe.ca. Great. And before we leave the show here, I just want to make a quick mention about the Real Estate Expo that's coming up on March the 11th here at Crystal Gardens. A lot of what we talked about today will be covered there as well, too. Anyways, I'm Tony Joe. Uh, that's the end of our show this week, but I'll be on the air this time next week. The Whole Home Show with Tony Joe on CFAX 1070.